to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman, and I am your host, as always, and this is episode 244. And this week, I am joined by my very good friend, the Mistress of Magnificence, Linda Roble, otherwise known as Mom. Linda, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, right? It's... It, this past week, I can't. I really can't complain. Like, yeah, you know, things are stressful, and yeah, you know, like we're getting ready for a lockdown and all sorts of stuff. But like, I have two next generation consoles in my house, and I You're just finished Spider Man. Yeah, I'm doing great. I really can't complain. And if I really wanted to, like, man, somebody would be very upset with me. It, it's. <laughs> You know, and here we are. It is board game week. You knew that because I said Linda's name. Amanda's <laughs> taking the week off. She has a whole bunch of other stuff because, as most folks know, she runs a or helps run a video game podcast, and it is Next Generation Launch Week. So they are up to their ears. And so I gave her a little bit of a break, and it's board game time. It also works out because it's time to talk about our board game holiday gift guide. It is that time of the year. Holidays are going to look a little weirder for everybody this year. So we're just you know going to throw out our gift guides because you know we still got to do the present thing, right, Linda? Absolutely. Can I tell a little secret? I might have already bought like six board games for presents that are already sitting in the basement ready to be wrapped. You're, well, I mean – you you wrote the holiday gift guide, so you've been, been in the shopping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, there were some good sales. Also, when you're you were in the mindset, and I know you, when you get into a mindset, you execute on that mindset. This is just that is this is just how it works. It's true. Well, I got to do it while the bandwidth is there for the mental capacity. Exactly. Here we go, folks. That that is that's our topic for today. We have a holiday gift guide. If you want to see this in written form, or if you want to reference it. You can head to EngageFamilyGaming.com and look for the holiday gift guide for board games. By the time this is published, the board game gift guide will be up. The video game gift guides will come next week. I will be working on those this coming weekend and getting them finished. Spoilers, I'm going to talk a lot about next generation consoles, but not only about that, because wouldn't you know, the PlayStation 4 and the Switch and the Xbox One still have games for them. So you're all, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay if you can't find one of those crazy things. Um, as many people cannot. Yeah, like you guys. Yeah, you didn't um, get one. <laughs> oh, did you try? Did did, uh, did John uh, not give, it very a, did hard. He give it like a try? He, he gave it like a softball try. Like kind of a little try, but didn't try real hard. All right, MO, yeah, this... We always buy them later. We don't buy them at launch. We buy them like six months to a year later. Yeah, I get it. Your husband has seen me freaking out about Spider-Man. And I'm sure he was like, oh, geez. Oh, geez. Can you can we? I mean, if one fell on your fell in your lap, I'm sure it Uh-oh. would have been a different story. So anyway, we'll talk all about that next week with Amanda. Linda will have that week off because she don't want to talk about that crap. I mean, I'm not wrong. I mean, you're, so you're before, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Not her area of expertise. Uh, I may or may not have asked her to help me write a video game related list article this week and it broke her no i just and had to ask okay. the kids to help me because yeah, i don't know the true. answers <laughs> you need to, the good news is your kids a, a wealth of information about nintendo switch games so before we get into the rest of the topic i do want to talk about our sponsor and this week our sponsor is our patreon now this is something that i don't talk about very often and i have been led i have been informed that this is a tactical error 
having a Patreon and not telling people about it means that they don't use it. So here is the way Patreon works, folks. Patreon, if you do not know, is a website where you can essentially subscribe to our services. For us, our content is all 100% free. We give it out to everybody. We don't charge. We don't even really do exclusive content. This is, for us, for the most part, it's a tip jar for myself and the, you know, the, the rest of the operation. So if you have been thinking to yourself as you listen to our podcast that you've been interested in supporting us financially and you have not done so um, – Here's an opportunity. Head to patreon.com slash engaged family gaming and you can pitch us a buck or five or more, but a buck or five is the only levels that are on there right now. And uh, that comes to us every month at the beginning of the month. And, you know, the idea is for this, we would be using it for equipment upgrades like a microphone for a new microphone for Linda or for Dana, my board game podcast host or not my board game, my world of Warcraft podcast host or lighting for our YouTube videos, etc. And you know, all those other little ticky tacky things that help deal that you need in order to grow a website, YouTube channel and podcast platform. If you don't have a dollar or five to throw away, no big deal. We're still going to be around if you want to support us. I talk about all the other ways to support us every other week. So thank you very much for your time, everybody. Let's get to work. Linda, I'm going to talk about this first game because I have been talking about this game since it was shown to me at a restaurant. And by the way, I had a very good Monte Cristo sandwich at that restaurant. Or no, it was a Cuban sandwich I was trying to decide. And that is Dungeon Drop. Dungeon Drop is available from GameRight. And it is a it is it what's interesting about it is how novel of a game it is. You are essentially building a dungeon and exploring it. And the way you build that dungeon is by dropping a series of tiny cubes onto your table. And so the different colors represent different things. So for example, the gray, the gray cubes represent dungeon walls. And so when you loot a room, quote unquote, you make, by, you know, kind of figuring out where three gray cubes are and you collect all the cubes inside that gray room. This is from the minute I played this. I played half of a round at a restaurant. And you know me, when I'm at a restaurant, my mind is generally on the food. But uh, even with the food distractions, I knew that this was going to be a winner. It went on Kickstarter. It blew up the world. And here we are. It is now available it is uh, they actually did a Kickstarter for like a sequel and like a big box version that just long, that just completed that one. You won't be able to get until next year, probably. However, Dungeon Drop, it's what, like 15 bucks? Not even right um, now. It's looking at around 14. Yeah, like a really good deal. This is inexpensive. It will it looks really cool. It will fit in all sorts. You know, this is a small game. It's awkwardly shaped for as small as it is. But you could definitely put this. You know, this. How do we phrase this? This is a small game. Small game to put in a small kind of container. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you don't, if you don't, if you can't read between the lines on that one, I got nothing for you. But this is super fun, and I guarantee you, you have never played another game like it. And that is 
uh, that's high praise, right? It's it's interesting. It's fun. If you go online to Phase Shift Games website, they actually have all sorts of other stuff like playmats and, you know, walls to help keep the cubes on the table. But the reality is there's just something satisfying about just dropping these cubes onto your table and letting them spread out. Have your kids played this one yet? They did. You brought it over <laughs> before the Fire Nation attacked and Evan played it with Eli on the floor in the living room while we were doing yep. some other work. So... And I know Eli liked it. Oh, I mean, yeah, my kids definitely. definitely love this. This is we backed this one on Kickstarter, and we're very happy that we did. I knew I was going to from the moment I saw it, and so yeah. I definitely recommend this one for anyone. It's great for multiple ages. It is, you know, it, the pieces are small, so if you have little, little, little ones that will chomp on those or pets or whatever that might do that, then maybe be careful. But other than that. This should be fine, right? Yeah, it's a it's really great. It's novel. It's not the typical kind of game you see. So if you're looking for something different, this really can fit the bill. Correct. Also, per, you know, it, it's got some, you know, Dungeons and Dragons style feel and that you're elves and orcs and stuff like that. But this is not one of those kinds of games. So this will work even for non-gamers because at the end of the day, you're dropping cubes and picking stuff up and counting points. And who doesn't like counting points? So yep. nice and that's the first one. Dungeon Drop yep. from Something Fate Shift Games and Game Right. How cool was it? We were there when they made the announcement that they were going we to Game were. Right. We were giddy. <laughs> I was very excited for them. Very, very excited for them. So cool. All so right, what, then, what do you got? What's next? So the next one on this, do you want me to hit the next one? Because I know that we have another one that you're not as familiar with after that. You know what? I'll take the next one. How about okay. this? So Perfect. the next one is... Uh, Ship Shape, which is a three-dimensional puzzle game from Calliope. Calliope. Yeah, it's Calliope Games that published it. It was designed by Rob Daviau. And so here is how the game works. It's pretty straightforward. You are a smuggler, and you are trying to get your contraband through the ports of call, right? And so you are bringing in cargo and bringing in contraband, and you are laying it in your cargo hold and you're kind of piling everything up and you have these three by three cards, these tiles that will have spaces that are full with either cannons or contraband, etc. or they will be empty and they're not all the same. So the idea is you are building your cargo hold from bottom to top and the idea is you want to leave high scoring pieces revealed and not cover them up. And so and you're drafting these tiles it can be really challenging if you have difficulty thinking in 3D because you're stacking these tiles on top of each other. And if you need a visual description, there are plenty of YouTube videos of this game. Once you see it being played, it will all make sense. I promise. Yeah, it's hard to describe this one. This one is really unique. This is one of the reasons that this first category we're talking about are games for the whole family. So the goal with this was things that are easy to learn, but not necessarily easy to master. So the, you know, learning how to play Ship Shape or Dungeon Drop, it's easy to learn it, but to master and to be, you know, as successful as you might want to can might take a little more practice. So there's a little bit more playability and more weight to these games without being hard to learn. But this is one, you know, with the different layers of pieces. I'm terrible at this kind of game. I don't visualize well, but I could learn it. I learned it in minutes and I was able to play it and have a good time. It's going to take me a lot more practice to get skillful at it. 
but yeah, it's I, a lot of fun. Not all. I'm not certain that I'll ever be good at this one. This is one of those games that I play because I like doing the thing and I just like the puzzles, but I don't know that I'll ever win. Um, But that's just because I'm not particularly good at thinking in three dimensions like that. But as we all know, I am hilariously bad at games. And some of that is just because I always my mind is always running 15 miles a minute. And this is one of those ones you kind of have to concentrate and really think about it. Um, But it is a whole lot of fun. I've played it several times, both at shows and also at private gatherings. Every time I play it, it is always kind of a gear turner. And I have not seen anyone come away with this not pleased with their experience, even if they got their butt kicked. Well, and isn't that sign of a great game that even when you lose terribly, you still have a good time? Absolutely. I mean, really, I think that really sums up that that's how good the game is. You could be losing terribly and it's still lots of fun and really what i found is even when you are losing terrible terribly the game is balanced well enough that because it, it, it also has a, a decent number of catch-up mechanics to make it so that if you yes. have a bad round or two you're not, it's not completely over for you and I, like i said i really do dig this one i think this is a great choice for a lot of families yeah this is a great one So the next one we've got that is a party game style. This one is a little bit different than a lot of the party games we've talked about lately. So this is a drawing game. It's called Starlink. It's from Blue Orange Games. And what it is, is it's a mat of the night sky. Not realistic, though. It is not uh, scientifically accurate. Disclaimer on that. And so the way you play this, when it's your turn, you draw a card and there are two words on it and you pick one word as your secret word. You then have to take the expo marker, the dry erase marker, and you're going to make a constellation to represent that word. So say the word is telescope. So then you might take the, you know, try and connect enough stars to represent a telescope. And now the other players are going to try to guess it. And if they guess it, then you get points and then there's a bonus and then the reason i said telescope is that's the other object there is actually a little telescope um card that card um little cardboard piece and if your picture fits inside the circle of the telescope uh the the eyepiece you get bonus points on that so but there's all different things i think that when i was playing this like one of my words was hammer and so i had to try to represent a hammer by connecting different stars and once stars are used they're now out of play so you can't be reusing them so you're making all these constellations and it's again a simple one to play easy to learn but it can still be challenging and engaging for all different ages yeah, we don't normally, you know, I'm I'm not specifically a big party game guy. However, when you showed me this one, because you demoed this at Toy Fair initially, and I yes. wasn't there for that demo, I was off doing something else. When you showed this one to me, I was like, okay, this is this is one I could get down with, um, because right. it is, you know, you're you have to you have to draw, but you're drawing within limitations, so your artistic skills are not necessarily the limiting factor it's really how creative can you be with the you know quote-unquote stars that you have available so and i definitely thought that was kind of neat because man i'm very bad at drawing like telestration style games just because my you know i I always feel like my artistic talent or lack thereof hurts me whereas my kids who are quite talented artists they get that from their mom just blow me out of the water (laughs) 
Right. I'm with you. you. I'm not very good at drawing either. So by the limiting factor of having to connect the stars really was an asset. I think for people that are nervous about drawing games, this makes it so much more approachable because everyone is limited by this other feature on the board, by the having to connect stars. So it's just as a neat spin on the drawing game about the, the guessing with the party game style. It just has a different flavor to it. The other thing really good with these weird times that we're in it's only three to six, it's three to six players. So many households have at least three people. So even if you're just your family at home, it's something you can still play. You don't need a big group for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. I think that that's, you know, a lot of party games require big groups and big teams and you can't really do that with, you know, you can't do that with code names, get 10 people in a room because that's not, not a good idea. I want to be, I want to be clear. That is not a good idea. And if you're doing it, please don't. Uh, cause I would like to be able to go to a convention eventually. So that is Starlink. Next. I want to talk about another game that has a relatively unique mechanic, or at least it was a unique mechanic when they told us now multiple games have come out using it or at least been announced. And that is abandon all artichokes. This is another game, right game. You guys know we are big fans of game, right here. Abandon all artichokes is a reverse deck builder. So here's what that means. The idea is you are trying, Trying to make your you're literally trying to make your deck smaller. Now, in some cases, that means you will be picking up cards and making it bigger, but the eventual goal is to get rid as to get rid of your deck as much as possible, as quickly as possible. This is another game with food that looks super cute, even though you're supposed to eat it. And you know, they're they're all vegetables. You're, it's basically building a garden. You're trying to just get rid of everything. This this was when they showed us. It was like big brain. I have no idea where this came from. And then in the interim, you know, that was in February, and here we go. In the last you know eight to nine months, more games have cropped up using this kind of deck teardown mechanic. What do you think about no, really all our jokes? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the idea of deconstructing your deck and going from um, having all artichokes in your hand, you want instead of all the artichokes, all different cards, all different garden vegetables. It's just a neat concept because instead of trying, like you said, growing it, you're you're stripping it down and trying to you know switch things out. So it's just a very different mechanic. It's the same mechanic, but a spin on that mechanic. Um, yep. When they were when, when it was first explained to us, I know. I'm not big into deck builders in general. I've played them. I understand them, but they're not my preferred genre. But when this was shown to us, I'm like, I could get on board with this one because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's, the Absolutely. premise is very simple, very approachable. So I think we talk a lot about gateway games, too. I feel like the with those deck building and now if more card games are coming out with deconstructing and breaking down the deck, this is a great one for it because it is so approachable. Absolutely. And isn't that appropriate to come from game right because that's kind of their brand and which is one of the reasons why we are so happy to go to their booth every year and you know get to hear what they have to say because a lot of their games just kind of fit into that perfectly and as and as a result of that end up being pretty much perfect for our audience linda what about this next one i know you are way more excited about about than i am (laughs) i think it's cool but this is like definitely your jam Uh. This is so my jam. I mean, it's one of those we joked about Hocus Pocus on the spooky game episode, but this is the nostalgia with Back to the Future. I 
I cannot tell you how many times I have watched the trilogy. I probably know most of the lines by heart. Yeah, no, when this, when we went to Funko and got to see their Back to the Future cooperative game, no, you're right. I was just so enthralled by it. So they basically took the storyline of the first movie, the Back to the Future, and you are basically having to go through, you need to fix the 1955 timeline by repairing the the DeLorean. You've got to get the clock tower ready to go. And just like in the movie, as Marty manages to mess up the relationship budding between his future parents, you have to make sure that the picture doesn't fade and the timeline is disrupted in that way. So there's three big things to do. What's really neat is for those fans of the, the movies, the artists they had do the artwork for this it took the actual people and the images from the movie itself and it made them it it looks it's they're not trying to look hyper realistic they i don't know the art style i'm not an artist but it's real very realistic but very intentionally not realistic at the same time so i don't know how to better describe that art but you know exactly what you're looking at you can look at it and go that that's that person from the movie you recognize them so it's a really cool feature with the artwork they chose. Um, the other thing that is super cool that, again, I was giddy about, uh, there's four playable characters for this game. And one of them is Einstein the dog that's in the movie. And it's just so fun that Einstein is a playable character. Just a neat feature. Yeah, there were there were a fair number of games that came out this year where you got to play the dog um i wish that well i mean i guess there were two i wish there was like a third one so we could justify making it a list so if you know of a game that came out this year where you can play as a dog let us know uh, and we'll we will make that because i think board games where you get to play as the dog would do well on uh, search engine optimization so all right um the next thing let's talk so, about oh go ahead yeah i was gonna say so the next category yep yep so these are games, so if you like, so these are games that are spinoffs or uh, kind of the next step in the same series. So there are a few games that came out um, that there was a precursor to it in some way, shape or form. So if you want to jump back in the first with the first one we've got. Sure. Well, I mean, this one is perfect for me to talk about. So it's it Marvel is. Splendor. It's out this year. It is. Oh, it's a Marvel Infinity Stones reskin of Splendor, which is one of my favorite games of all time. We all know I love engine building games, and Splendor is a perfect fit for the Marvel universe. In this, it has new tactics, new updates to the rules. There's a new win condition. The idea is you're recruiting heroes and villains and trying to claim the Infinity Gauntlet, which is, you know, gathering the gems. This is super cool, super fun, looks awesome. I love the character art for some of the heroes, which of course you're going to love some of the, you know, if you like Marvel comics, you're absolutely going to love the character art. This is one of those, if you really like Splendor, this is worth taking a look at because it's another version of that game. And if you like both Splendor and Marvel, then this is a no brainer. What about the next one, Linda? Okay. So Suro has been one we've talked about a whole bunch. There's multiple versions that have come out, and the latest one to hit the market is Suro Phoenix Rising. So mm -hmm. this one takes that classic Suro game where you're laying tiles and you're moving your your dragons around. Only now, is we're not dragons. We've got Phoenix, 
And so there's different rules. There's some new components. There's a tray for your tiles because now the tiles are double-sided. So they made this amazing tray where you can flip a tile over and it does not disturb the other tiles. So for those of you that are like me that get irritated if they're all askew and crooked, the tray keeps everything nice and in line. One really cool feature, unlike the original, you were out of the game and you were eliminated if your dragon was sent off the board. However, you're a phoenix. So now if you get sent off the board the first time, you are reborn from the ashes and you can continue playing. So you've got that option to the extra thing you can be doing. It's another component of the game. And you're working on gathering lanterns as you go around. And it's just a really neat uh, new version of of Suro. And it adds just a lot more to the game. So anyone that likes Suro, if you like tile laying games, this is a great one to look at. Price point wise, it's only $30 for these beautiful heavy duty tiles, the tray, all these components. So if you're looking for a really nice gift for someone, this is a fantastic one to look at. And this is another one that is super easy to teach, Uh, especially if they already know Suro. Like really, if you know Suro, you got to read what, like five lines in the rule book. And we just read one of them to, and we just read one of them to, to you that if you go off the board you get another shot this is a super fun one i, I thought Suro was done right like i didn't think we were going to see any more and then they showed us Suro phoenix rising and i said okay all right you convinced me there's more design space in this genre next we talk about king domino all the time it was a spiel jar winner for a reason every person i teach it to i actually was lucky enough to have a cha- have a chance to teach it to my mother before everybody kind of started getting heavily locked down and she absolutely loves it but there is there's a new kid version in town which is dragomino which more or less is a my first king domino it's designed for kids age five and up it has a dragon theme obviously right dragomino drag you know whatever so there's dragons in it everything is simplified from the drafting to the tile placement mechanisms and it's obviously done to grab younger players right that's just how most of these my first versions work and then so what you're attempting to do is match tiles and with each match um players earn a dragon egg and basically what you're trying to do is collect dragon eggs um so and you're trying to you know get baby dragons which is adorable in and of itself so that is dragomino this is more or less my first king domino on one hand i like to think king domino is fine even for younger kids but you're right the drafting mechanic can be a bit much for the younger crowd this one kind of strips away even some of that complexity it does, and it adds the incentive to match it because with the matches you get those eggs, and so the. But in regular King Domino, there's not the same incentive with the immediate reinforcement. So this is good for those younger kids where they see the benefit right away. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely play a full game of King Domino and not really have any idea how well you're doing until the very last mm-hmm. tile is is placed. And while that can be fun for us, keeping it uh, keeping us on the edge of our seats, that could definitely be a problem for younger kids because they might not know what's a winning strategy until it is too late. Whereas if they keep making matches and getting dragon eggs, they know they're doing something right. There's something to be said about needing to make sure you have like a a reasonable feedback loop in your game so that the kids know what they're doing. What's up with Dragon's Breath, the Hatchling, Linda? Okay, so Dragon's Breath the Hatching is, it's a new game 
which can also be an expansion game. So this is the neat thing. So Haba took the Dragon's Breath game and they made The Hatching, which is a standalone game. But if you want, you can also add it to the original Dragon's Breath game and it adds player to the game. So it it gives you this versatility. So the original Dragon's Breath game only is four-player with if you add in the hatching, you can do a fifth player. Um, so it's really neat. So these, if you have the original, now you have an expansion. If you don't, you can buy this and it's a standalone game. So I kind of like the versatility. You don't see that often. Usually it's mutually exclusive. It's either a standalone game or an expansion. So that's kind of an, a unique thing Haba did with this. Um, this is another game for younger kids. This is six and up. Um, so with this one... Similar to the original game, you are trying to collect gems, um, you're trying to earn points, and the player at the most points wins. It's got another dragon theme. We seem to like that around here. I can't imagine why. We we do like dragons. We do like our dragons and Dungeons and Dragons uh, theme things. So just a simple, cute game. It's Habba, so it's got the nice components, um, the nice theme to it. So just another excellent game to look keep an eye out for this is one that did not win an award but it was a contender early on in discussion about the kinderspiel de jar there was some rumor about it being on the short list of games considered when we went to toy fair so this is one that is really well renowned even though it didn't end up unfortunately winning anything but it was you know something that was being looked at just something really cute and approachable from haba and they make such great approachable games absolutely they do a really good job uh they they absolutely do a really good job and this is one of them i know when i saw it initially i was like all right this is super cute and great um and i do also love games that can either be a standalone or can combine i echo that sentiment i think that adds to the value uh you know as a way to you know just it's almost like you're given two gifts, right? You know, you're given a it's new true. game, but also you're giving an expand, you know, a expansion to a game that somebody might already like. So that is super cool. Okay, so Linda, the next category is one you put in here, and it's just a series of games for the really littles that we yes. got from Peaceable Kingdom. That is a kind of a, a sub company to Mindware, and um, you know, really they're just four we we have four on the list one of them we wanted to highlight or at least you wanted to highlight because you wanted to tell an embarrassing story about me so uh <laughs> take it away linda because who All am right. i to stop you well and i appreciate your, your good humored uh allowing me to tell the embarrassing story so the game is bandits memory mix-up and this is a game for ages three and up and remember the age category on this because this is significant um so bandits memory mix-up It has a cute, oversized magnifying glass shape. It is not actually a magnifying. But the idea is you put these different garden tiles in, and the garden tiles have an assortment of different pictures on them, just random things, frogs, snails, bunnies, all just different things. And you put the tiles in all facing the same way because it's obviously it's a you can look through this lens so it's got the two sides so you put them in the middle everybody looks at what the pictures are on one side it gets shaken up and one tile is secretly removed and hidden so you don't know what was taken out and then the pictures are shown again and the goal is to try to remember what was there and figure out what the missing picture is 
And so we played it a little bit at, at our demo demo at Toy Fair. And Steve was really good natured and decided to be the guinea pig to try it. So we put the pictures in. There were five pictures. One was removed. And nothing. Yeah. And he, nothing. You you could not remember for the life of you that one missing picture. It's hard. Uh, it was difficult. It's also worth mentioning that this story, in, in defense of myself, this story does <laughs> take place while Linda and I are at New York Toy Fair at this year being a particularly stressful New York toy fair. And I was very, very tired, but also I am hilariously bad at games. And so uh, I had a feeling when I was like, man, guys, I'm not going to be able to do this memory game. You're jogging my memory uh, in my own head. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. They're going to be making fun of me. And uh, the two of you, uh, you, Linda, and our PR rep for Mindware were obviously very kind to me for the most part. Um, you know, you were, you were pretty delicate with my ego or as delicate as two, uh, as the two of you could be considering I couldn't figure out how to play a game meant for three year olds, but well, you know um, how to play it. You just couldn't remember the thing. You couldn't remember that the frog was missing. I, or I, I definitely, I, now of course I don't remember, remember what the it. object was. <laughs> no, it was something super obvious too. Like it really, I was like, oh man, this sucks. This is going to yeah. be rough. So with that said, but it was cute. <laughs> Um, if you are that, it is very cute. Peaceable Kingdom makes amazing games for younger kids that are, you know, kind of looking to be game savvy. They're all co- they're largely cooperative games, and so if you just look up Peaceable Kingdom on Amazon, you will find plenty of options. Our game guide has four from them, all of them being appropriate for kids of different ages, as low as two, which is pretty impressive. You know, there's a lot of folks that are like, hey, what kind of games can I play with my toddler? Believe it or not, we get all these questions. And some of the people that answer this que- these questions are very far afield of what is actually like really possible for a toddler. And the good news is Peaceable Kingdom really does give you an opportunity to to play a game with them. For example, you know, like there's, there's, they have Duck Duck Dance, which is literally a game where you just show them a card of a duck dancing and they got to do it. That's pretty much it. It's there's a little bit much, more yeah. to it, but not like, much. But yeah, what I love can too you, is you yeah. you know, go ahead. That what's really nice, too, is they gear this to the parents or the family members playing with the young children. And on the box, it tells you the skills you're working on with with these games, because when you're playing with a two, three, four year old you know, you're not teaching them many game skills. You're learning turn taking, but for the most part, you're learning bigger skills with, you know, like with the memory for, with, we just have a bandit memory mix up here. I trying to identify objects, name objects, you know, remember turn taking visual discrimination. There's all kinds of these skills that are built into these really simplistic games. And it's more than just Candyland. I know we make fun of Candyland a little bit, but there's a lot more layers put into these games. Yeah, absolutely. If you want more examples, head on over to our gift guide. The link will be in the description and you can take a look at it. Um, Next, we may as well talk about some, believe it or not, there were actually awards given out this year. I know for the most part, 2020 was terrible. However, some (laughs) of the games that were released this year were in fact good. Interesting fun fact, unrelated to board games tomorrow is the announcement of the video game awards they're actually having a whole live stream just to announce the nominee oh wow the actual show coming up in december i am super excited 
Uh, it's going to be wild. So, um, but for board games, the 2020 Spiel des Jahres happened, and two of those games caught your attention, Linda, to the point where my understanding is that they are in your house right now. They because, are. One of them's a gift. Shh, don't tell oh, anybody. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, they they are great. The only reason all three games aren't on here is one of them is not published in the United States. Yeah, all three it. of them. Yeah, yeah. The Kinderspiel, unfortunately, at this time is not published in the United States, so not something you can get unless you are hunting it down through an international distributor and can get somebody to ship it to you. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It so. is a lot of work and a lot of money. <laughs> yes, it is. So, what are these two games, Linda? So the first one is Pictures. Um, it's by Rio Grande Games. This is one that when I first looked at it, I, I'll be honest, I was like, this won an award? Really? Um, what it is, is there's a field of 16 photo cards. You put them out randomly in a 4x4 grid, and then there's a, uh, little tokens that you use to mark the grid. So you know, you're in 1A or 3C. So you can. So what you're doing is you draw... A token that says which picture in the grid you're doing. So that's done in secret. And then there's these really unique items each player uses to build their picture. So we all draw a different picture to represent. But like for my turn, maybe I've got two shoelaces to try to represent this photograph. And most of the photographs are nature scenes of some sort. There might be animals in some of them, but it's all like pretty much outdoorsy pictures, really pretty pictures. So you're using these abstract objects to recreate these photographs. And then people have to try to guess which photo you're recreating. So the objects they've got are so interesting. So I said shoelaces is one of them. There's six wooden building blocks is another one. There's wooden cubes. There's a picture frame and little um that you have to put these wooden cubes in. There's a picture, there's like these hand-drawn style picture cards. And then this is the weirdest one, four sticks. Like they look like sticks from somebody's yard, but they're obviously man, uh, manufactured. And then four stones. So four sticks and four stones to try to represent a photograph of, of something outside. So really abstract. Um, yeah, man, that sounds that sounds really cool. Again, uh, I'm bad at like art visual representation games, but this because it provides the limitation of you just got to make do with right. these things um, that would certainly help me quite a bit. So I am looking forward to playing this one. Yeah, this and, one looks really, really cool. Yeah, it won an award for a reason. I normally don't even look at party games, but this one looks pretty cool to me. And lastly is the crew. So I don't really, I, I do know that I should know. Bit? Yeah. Why don't you do this one? Cause I, sure. I am, I don't remember anything about this one, to be honest. That's fair. This one, so I actually on. had to research it. I, because I'm buying gifts early, I haven't taken the shrink wrap off yet. So I haven't played it just yet, but this one looks so cool. This one, the uh, Kenderspiel de Jar, the, um, the connoisseur game of the year. So it's a little heavier, but even with that, it doesn't seem like it's too heavy. So it's a cooperative trick-taking game two mechanisms and those two mechanics don't typically go in the same sentence. Um, but you're trying, you're doing these different trick taking hands of cards and 
the premise of the whole game is that you're a space crew. So the game is called The Crew. So you're a space crew and you've got to complete missions. And so the rule book is this basically tells you a story of each mission and each mission has a different condition to succeed to have the mission succeed. And then once you succeed on a mission, you can move to the next one. They have 50 missions in this box. Wow. And yeah, which is crazy. And this is a really well-priced game. It's right now running about $15. When I picked it up, it was like $11. It's a small box, maybe a little big to fit in the small containers that people tend to have at Christmas time, but it is definitely a smaller container. Um, it's basically just a deck of cards, so not a lot to it. Um, and there's, you know, there are a few other components in the box, but it's it's really not much. And the missions do get more complicated as you go through, but the gameplay time for each mission is pretty low. And it's one of those games that you can just play one mission and you're playing for 20 minutes or so, or you could play a series of them and you can have that be your game night. So this one just really a different mix of styles of game and, you know, making it such a uh, accessible price point and with not having a ton of like fancy components really is a different spin on a connoisseur game. Yeah. No, it looks, it looks cool. Looking forward to playing this one. Also, uh, I do love me some cooperative games. Traditionally, I'm not super good at trick taking games. Um, maybe I'm getting a little bit better because I have been playing some tr- just regular old card games with my mom. So I'm getting a little bit better. I'm, I'm, I'm working that m- particular muscle. So that's our list. And I think it's a pretty good one, if I do say so myself. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I know you did the work. You did all the you did the hard hard work and heavy lifting on that one. So everybody, obviously, these are our ideas, but we know that they are not the only ideas. So if you have further thoughts, uh, please share your ideas for what the best family uh, board game gifts for this year would be in the Engage Family Gaming community. You can get there by going to engagefamilygaming.com slash community. And I'll bring you right on in there. Group of 300 and growing like-minded individuals who just want to talk about games. And I guarantee you, it'll be a more pleasant experience than your town Facebook group. Tell you about, I, it's, I'm setting the bar low, but, I, but you never be disappointed on that one. So uh, Linda, <laughs> did it. We did it. We, we did told it. them this the newest is- games that are out. This is right. That's right. That's right. Some of the newest games coming out this year. Everybody, I do hope that you enjoyed listening as much as Linda and I enjoyed recording. Um, We will be back. Well, I will be back next week to talk about video games. And specifically, we're going to be talking about the next gen consoles that are sitting in mine and Amanda's house. So we'll be talking all about those, which will be all sorts of fun. Hope you guys have a great week. Until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. Bye now. Bye.